This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Com- closet Conversations. We're in the closet already and uh, we're talking intimacy and sexual spontaneity. Our guest is Dr. Miriam Khan who's a registered natural medicine doctor in private practice for the past 12 years. She's also got a master's degree, uh, which focuses on sexual and reproductive health and rights and its intersections with gender and religion. Dr. Khan, I've missed you. I've missed you. I'm sure the A-teamers have too. How are you doing? I've missed you too. How are you doing, Patricia? I'm doing okay, not too bad. I I believe uh, I missed a lot. You've missed a lot. We've missed you, but uh, we are doing strong despite some challenges. But we are doing strong. (laughs) I was referring to the challenges, (laughs) but we'll have that conversation later. Off air, hopefully. (laughs) So, Dr. Khan, this evening we're talking about intimacy and sexual spontaneity, right? And I was thinking, I mean, when couples have now got children and there's elderly parents living in the house, uh, visitors, uh, sex does not become spontaneous as it used to or as it can be when the couple is just on their own, uh, alone in the house. They can literally have it everywhere, anywhere, anytime. You're thinking right. And I think with the pandemic, so much has changed. So much has changed for families. Families have downsized. Families have moved in together. Some families have lost their elderly uh, loved ones. Maybe one parent has passed on and they've taken on the responsibility of taking care of the other parent. Um, And so now families now have, you know, are living in a joint family system. Dynamics have changed a lot. What I'm hearing a lot from my patients is, you know, having... A parent moving with them and having to adjust with that, adjust to that. And with a parent moving with you, you also get more visitors, probably more visitors than you would have had with, you know, uh, with your initial family, your nuclear family. So that changes the dynamics for many couples, whether you are a newly married couple or whether you've been in a marriage for a good five to ten years. And like you said, you know, when you have kids, things change as well. It's true. Things do change when you have kids. Uh, Before we even think of uh, the elderly parents and uh, family members living with you, let's talk about the kids because they form part of the nuclear family. Um, How does a couple keep their bedroom steamy in the bedroom and out of the bedroom uh, when they're cheering around? Because children are quite demanding and very uh, intrusive as well. They just step into the bedroom unannounced. So, you know, I want to think, speak about four different things and, and the listeners can chip in and join us in the conversation as we speak about these four things. I want to speak about, you know, how, how a couple defines intimacy. Then I want to speak about the routine that a couple has uh, or the family has. Then asking questions like your living arrangements, you know. So basically, the number of rooms you have, where the kids sleep in the room with you or do they have their own room. And then how many, so in terms of the age of the kids and the routines the kids have. And I think if we start with the very first one that I mentioned, how do you define intimacy? What does intimacy mean for the couple? I think that 
when we broaden our understanding of sex and intimacy, we understand it to be, and this is something you hear me saying a lot, we understand it to be more than just penetration, right? So we know that people understand and experience foreplay differently. And foreplay is something, it's a word or terminology that we're trying to move away from because for some people, foreplay might actually be the main event. So, mm. you know, so if we look at how we define those words, we can work toward how we incorporate intimacy that would be part of foreplay or part of the intimacy without your children actually knowing that this is what's going on. So if you know, you know, you have sexual cues, you have hints to each other, and also I think it's important to normalize hugging and cuddling and touching in a non-sexual way in the presence of your kids. And this can be foreplay for you. So if you have a mental cue, even though you know your kids see it as non-sexual, you have an intention that this is going to become sexual later on. So you know just the way you hold each other. And I think it's important that our children see us, you know, hug or cuddle or touch each other or be affectionate with each other in non-sexual ways, especially, so that they also get a, get to see part of what makes a healthy, loving relationship. It's our responsibility for them to see it at home first. You know, how how do they know what is a healthy, loving relationship if we don't show them that? So I think that is important. And for many women, foreplay is, you know, it's the gentleness your partner shows you. It's letting, and it's important to let your partner know this. So it can literally be your partner washing the dishes, Patricia, literally. Mm. And that could get you excited. Like, you know, okay, it's, takes your mind off you actually having to wash the dishes. You're less tired, especially if it's a whole stack of dishes. And you feel, women generally feel or have more time and feel more, um, you know, valued and needed and wanted if they see someone making it, their partner making an effort for them. It's over and above the work responsibilities and the you know, financial contribu- contributions towards the home and the expenses. In the home itself, it makes you, there's studies that have shown that men who do chores, especially the dishes, get more sex at home. <laughs> so, you know, if a man, if your husband is going to do the dishes, it might make you feel like, oh, okay, you know, it could be something that turns you on. So you need to express these things to, you know, to one another. So what is it that they can do for you that makes your day lighter, your load lighter, and that also spices things up? Oh, guys, I'm sure you've heard it then. Uh, the more house chores you do, the more you will get the sexy, sexy stuff. Um, I believe that study, Patricia. <laughs> oh, I believe that. Uh, Miriam, and, but it makes sense, though. I mean, a man who, who is not chauvinistic, who is loving genuinely, who is uh, giving genuinely, um, and who is helpful around the house, will obviously free up enough time for his partner to be able to feel sexy as well and you know the woman won't be flustered thinking about what to do how to do it she'll just want to appreciate and love that man right back absolutely absolutely so i'd like love to hear what the listeners have to say about that and how that works out for them in terms of helping their partners do chores or you know just share the household load especially when it's a dual income home both partners are going out to earn and come back home tired and if they're, you know, 
any sharing of the chores when they get back home with one person bearing the load by themselves, that does play, that does have an impact on what happens in the bedroom because if one person gets the chance and the time to rest and relax and the other person is not, you know, that person who is relaxed, it's difficult for them to expect the person who is not relaxed because if there's an imbalance of that, you know, in terms of responsibility at home, especially if both people are away from home during the day and both people are working. So there's the work stress and work responsibility. But when you get home, how does that work out? Do you get to share the chores, the share the responsibilities? Because there'll be chores, there'll be dinner, there'll be washing up the dishes, there'll be seeing to the laundry, depending on whether you have a helper or not. And still, you've got to see to your little family, so the kids catching up on their day, their homework. So how do you balance that? You know, and mm. if you work as a team, and it's important to remember that you are a team, you know, and if you work as a team, you actually can make time for each other at night when the kids are in bed. And look, it doesn't only have to be at night, early mornings. If you're yes, we're getting to rises, that. <laughs> we're still getting um, to that. In between lunch breaks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being spontaneous takes a lot, uh, but you enjoy it throughout. A teamers, please join in on the conversation. The number is 614 That's our WhatsApp number. Or call in on 086-000-2032. How are you managing to stay spontaneous and intimate with your partner in a house full of family members, children, elderly parents, relatives visiting, living with you. I know December is going to be a busy season for most households. So what is your plan with your partner? Here's a message here from Anonymous. Anonymous says, my wife used to moan and make sexy sounds whilst enjoying our sex, but she completely stopped it all since we had kids, even when the kids have their own separate bedrooms. How can I help her to rest her mind and Realize that we are once again all alone when making love. There's no need to hold back. I desperately miss her old, sexy, luscious self. I equally participate in household chores. Anonymous. Fantastic, Anonymous. That's a beautiful, beautiful message. And excellent to hear how you're assisting with the household chores. And that's a very good question in terms of how do you... because. You know, I know this, Patricia, we want to hear this, right? We want to hear that we are pleasuring our partners. It's, it's good for our self-esteem. We know we're doing something right. And it feels good to know that we're giving them the pleasure that they need and they want and they deserve. And it enhances our pleasure. One thing they can consider doing is soundproofing the door, you know. So if there's a way they can do that and they can budget for that, they can do that. But they can keep, you know, the noise to a level that, can, you know, can not, especially depending on the thickness of the walls in their home and where the bedrooms are, are located, where the kids' bedrooms are located, they can manage to have some kind of sound, some level of sound, but not enough to permeate through the walls or through the bedroom door. The other thing is to be intimate in the shower because generally the sound of the shower would drown out any sound. So you could try that. That's also, you know, when, it, when you're in the shower, you need to consider a few things. So be careful so that you don't slip and fall. Also make sure you use a lubricant because the water in the shower can't be a lubricant, right? So you need to use a lubricant. But that, yes, that does help. And if you have 
extended family who are able to keep the kids for a short amount of time, maybe that you can work something out there. So, you know, you can arrange your time and your schedule and get the kids busy. with. Depending on the number of kids you have and their ages and maturity levels, you can perhaps get one kid to supervise the other kids with a certain activity, a certain part of the day, or maybe set Sunday mornings, give them a challenge, and you still get your alone private time where you can make your natural sound. Uh, but maybe, Dr. Khan, uh, the wife needs to speak to someone. Maybe the yes. wife needs to go and see a sexologist or a Dr. Miriam Khan <laughs> who, who you know? will then undo things that we have learned growing up, that sex yes. is taboo, sex should not be known, that you are doing it. I mean, how will our kids learn that intimacy is healthy in a healthy relationship if we are scared about it? I'm not saying be explicit to your children, but don't be scared about it. Don't be uncomfortable about it. On, on that note, Patricia, you know, the, 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 the message did say that the person used to make sounds and do all of these, have this response prior to the kids. And one thing that also does happen to women after they have kids is they separate themselves. Once they become mothers, they don't see themselves as sexual selves. Or sometimes they have guilt about their, you know, the way they express themselves sexually. And they, be, they think that they should behave a certain way because they, you know, they've matured and they now have children. So they want to behave differently or express themselves differently. So if people have those kind of concerns, then for sure, you know, they can speak to someone who is trained and equipped to help them unpack those and work towards healthier understandings of sex and intimacy. And I think that's very important. That's very, very vital. Okay. So, uh, and then how do we deal with the elders, uh, parents, uh, brothers and sisters, whoever, whoever is an adult living in your home, how do you deal with them? Because they sometimes make comments, oh, you guys are always in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, you can't get enough of each other. Oh, you know. That's, that's good though, right? I think that, you know, you should use that as, depending on, on the family dynamics, you can use that as a teaching moment because, you know, your children need to know that eventually they will learn. Obviously, it's age-appropriate information and emotional, you know, whether they're emotionally ready to receive certain kinds of information. But I think with the elder people, it depends on privacy levels. Like, some parents don't believe they need to knock on the door, that kind of thing. And they might just, you know, they might not realize that you may be intimate in your room or you, and that's the reason you have the door closed. So you need to sometimes set some ground rules. Um, it depends on the arrangement itself. Maybe the parent does respect the privacy, but you have a squeaky bed, you know, and now mm. you are afraid to, to be intimate because you're thinking that your mom in the room next door or your, or your dad in the room in the floor beneath you is going to hear that squeaky bed or that headboard against the wall. So then you're going to opt for something else. You're either going to move your headboard away from the wall, get rid of the headboard, change the mattress, or you're probably going to you know, pop a whole lot of cushions on the floor, a blanket on the floor to get comfortable and use the floor. You know, I agree. So use the floor if the bed is squeaky. <laughs> So it really depends on, on the situation at home. So what is the living arrangement, you know, um, with regard to 
parents living at home, how close are the rooms located, the, the behavior of the family in terms of do people respect privacy. I think it's so important to teach our kids privacy and to teach them how to knock doors. And part of that teaching is us also knocking their door when we enter their room. So we teach them you know, that they can dress and undress in the privacy of their room. We also allow them to have some space, some time alone, because we all need it, even little kids, some time alone to play alone or to process their thoughts or to listen to something, whatever it is. But some alone time where they're allowed to, you know, maybe push the door, keep it slightly ajar or completely closed. But it's important that you do this by by you knocking on their door and teaching them that you're getting their permission to come into the room. It also teaches them to knock your door when it's closed and not just turn the handle and walk in. Mm. Okay, so set boundaries, but also Absolutely. but also enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. That's what that's what we're aiming for. How, how do we get spontaneous? I mean, it, it's not always easy to be spontaneous as we grow older. So here we will look at routine. You know, sometimes we come to a place in our relationship or marriage where we literally have to schedule in sex. We literally have to pencil it in. We've got to put an alarm and we've got to say, okay, tomorrow morning or Saturday morning or Sunday morning or whatever it is. And we really have to schedule it. We've got to make time for it. So whether it's a date night and it becomes a long evening or whether it's early morning before everyone gets up and we spend some time together, we've got to make time for ourselves and for each other. And we've got to work around that routine. So we've got also to be realistic about it. But you literally have to make time. We don't always have the privilege of being spontaneous. Yeah, so make time, schedule a timetable uh, to be intimate. Uh, there's something quite interesting you were talking about, that our intimacy doesn't always have to be of a sexual nature. So we can still be intimate without being sexual. Um, and this is also very important for couples. You know, and it's important because... And we understand this from the pandemic alone, right, Patricia? When we were not allowed, we were forced to have social distancing or physical distancing and we couldn't move around too much and we couldn't meet our friends and family. And I'm talking about now non-sexual touch, for example. We realize the importance of touch and connection with people through physical touch and through holding and hugging. And that was, you know, uh, for us, an awakening, a rude awakening if we actually... You know, if we, if we never gave that much of regard to touch itself, now we do know and we understand its value and its importance. And people want to feel connected in different ways. So sometimes it's just the way you lean against each other while you're doing your individual work, but there's some kind of connection between you. Maybe you have your backs, you know, are touching, or you have a hand on your partner's thigh whilst you're busy with something else. Maybe you're busy on your keyboard or whatever it is, and you have, you know, you're leaning against your partner. It shows that you're connected and you're still doing some work. You know, so if you're not necessarily, and I'm not saying you have to do this all the time because we know that we need our space as well in relationships, but it's important because it closes that gap if you have any intentions for sexual intimacy later on. You know, I can't come now out of nowhere if we've not had any intimacy for days um, and we haven't really had that kind of connection and suddenly expect my partner 
to be responsive spontaneously to my touch and my desire, especially depending on the dynamics of the relationship and what's happening. But if we maintain that contact and communication, it's easier to close that gap. Mm. Easier to close the gap. I've got a voice note. Let's go to it. Okay, it's not playing. Okay, we're having issues with our audio. I see your voice notes, A-teamers. We are going to play them. Let's keep trying to uh, um, fix our audio systems. I know Ben Zito and Phineas are trying their best, and they'll win, they'll win. Um, so, Miriam, um, in, in, in terms of making sure that we don't feel guilty, right, we as individuals don't feel guilty and don't feel like the children are now more priority than our own relationship. How do we do that? Uh, please elaborate. So, as individuals, like the other caller, right. I start feeling guilty. I don't want any pleasure for myself. I only concentrate on my churn. When I wake up, when I go to bed, all I'm thinking about is my churn, my churn, my churn. And intimacy is something that then becomes a problem because, hey, it's taking away time from my churn. Get you. You know, Patricia, we, we have, you know, we have the same, for example, in my religion, we have the saying that every person and every part of you has, you know, has a right. So in your relationship, for example, your children have a right, your husband has a right, you have a right, your body has a right, your, your soul has a right. Um, you know, so you are expected to have, you have certain duties towards your child, you have certain duties towards your marriage, you have certain duties towards your husband, and towards yourself, towards self-care. Because if you take care of yourself, then you can actually give the best of yourself to other people. And part of that self-care is intimacy as well. And pleasure is a right. It's our birthright to experience pleasure. If we are people, you know, if we are people who have the capacity to experience pleasure, I think I have discussed asexuality previously on the show. So we're leaving that aside. But if we have the capacity to experience pleasure, we have the right to experience that pleasure. It's a, it's a, it's a birthright. And, you know, you have, there must be moderation in everything that we do. We can't overdo one day to a certain extreme that we neglect something else. So we neglect ourselves and we neglect our partner and our relationship. A big part of our relationship with our children is also our relationship with our partner and ourselves. So I think if you work from a space like that, it's hopefully easier to feel less guilty about that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Closet Conversations. Here's a question from our A-team guest, uh, um, Donald, yeah, who's in Rostenburg. Donald says, yeah, good evening, Patricia and all A-teamers. Get well soon. It will be a problem to those women who scream loudly during sexual mm-hmm. intercourse. Kids will wake up and ask, why is mommy crying? How loud are you screaming, Mama? (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, honestly, how loud are these ladies screaming? Now I'm worried. So, Dr. Khan. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm taking this in and figuring it out. I mean, how loud is she screaming? Yeah, so, so 
when we are when we want to be intimate, can't we have like codes? You know how they do in hotels. You can put up a sign to say, "Do not disturb." Can't we do the same thing in our homes? I think to a certain extent, yes. But when kids are not, uh, and you know, people will be, uh, you know, will, will weigh in differently on this because you'll have different opinions in terms of what exactly should your kid know and not know, and whether it's okay. And when, when people have different opinions about whether they think, they'll be divided about whether they think, you know, you know, your kids should hear you and all of those things. But I think that you can find ways to incorporate, you know, managing that sound level. And also you can do a bit of role playing. And if you think about it as sexy to keep the noise levels down, then you'd be able to work around it. So you'd be able to still be oral and vocal, but not to the extent where it worries your kids. It shouldn't be the extent where kids think, you know, something wrong is going on. So I know that, you know, I think my kid was about 11, 10 or 11, and the school had a nurse come in and talk about intimacy with them. And the nurse, I may have shared this here, and the nurse was talking about how painful first time sex is and how painful the first few times are. And one kid said, oh, is that why they scream in the movies? And... You know, my, my, kid, my kid came back and she relayed the story and she said, so this kid said, this is why they scream in the movie because it's so painful. And, you know, the reason we have these conversations, Patricia, is so that it unpacks for our kids and we teach our kids and we give them the right message and the right information. But for ourselves as well, a lot of us were raised in different ways, you know, and we are navigating the space and we raise our kids differently. And maybe we have more space than our parents had. For example, I was raised in a joint family system. We had like myself, my dad, and my dad's brother, and all of the kids under the same roof, you know, and our grandparents. So I always, when I reflect on that, I think, how did they do it? And they still went on and had kids, you know, one kid after another. Mm. And how did they do it? So obviously, they made sacrifices too because. For that generation, or for the people who are in homes where they may have ideas of it being disrespectful if you are loud enough for your, you know, the person in the room next door to you to hear, and people who are raised with shame and ideas of shame and guilt around sex and intimacy, I think in religion especially, how it is phrased and phrased is that it's lawful in religion. Um, I'm not sure how many people are living in, you know, uh, in, in casual or in relationships where they are not married and in a joint family system where they are elderly parents and that, and how they navigate those spaces. I mean, you know, things are different for different families. But I know when you are married and if you come from traditional backgrounds, part of that and part of the understanding is that it's lawful. And if you are active and if part of that sexual activity entails a bit of you being loud, that should be acceptable to a certain extent, you know. Um, I think just to work around how loud are you. Mm. And also, is it genuine when it's very loud or is it because of pain? I think uh, couples need to reevaluate themselves. Uh, so pain? 
Mm-hmm. Pain, that's one thing, Patricia, and performative is another. A lot of women fake sounds because that's what they see in porn or that's what they see in a movie. And so they believe that they need to, you know, like we've discussed previously, a lot of women, 75% almost of women do not have an orgasm to penetrative sex. And many women do fake orgasms. So it really depends on the dynamics. You know, we're giving very broad, basic advice. But for people to have individual advice, like you generally um, advise, that they go and see a consultant for individual and personalized advice. Okay, so there's there's a lot of things that we can still do. Sex does not need to be boring. We can still be intimate and loving with each other, uh, whether the house is full or not. And you know, sometimes and quickies, Patricia, quickies. You yeah, know, quickies. but you don't quickies. always want a quickie. You know, yeah. no, you, but you can't you know, live on those. Mm-hmm. They should be spaced out every now and then to spice up the marriage. No, no, mm-hmm. you can't. You can't live on quickies. You know, we um, we appreciate. The, the prolonged moments, the, the foreplay and the afterplay and the cuddling and everything that happens in between. But I'm saying, like, every now and then, if it's needed, you know, the quickies, the no underwear, underwear under a long skirt or a long dress or the crutchless panties or whatever it is, you know. There's mm-hmm. so much that can be done. There is a lot that can be done. And I think we, we also, I don't know, maybe I'm just too um, forward-thinking, but as families, especially if the family is with you permanently, right? So your children, your elderly parents, everyone knows you're having sex if you've got children. Yes. So, everyone I, and, and your children know that you are having sex because you have them. More uh, children, even, yes. even my four-year-old knows that, you know, <laughs> babies are made in a certain kind of way. <laughs> so why are we also so scared to tell them that we need intimacy time? I think moms and dads need to be honest to say, please don't disturb us. Keep yourself entertained. We need intimacy time and just move away. Is it bad to do such a thing, Dr. Khan? I think that depends on you and how you're raising your kids. You know, I I would say depending on your family dynamics, you do what's good for your family. You know, if it works for your family, then that's fine. You know, Patricia, you never know how a family would respond to any kind of advice. I recently did an event for a group of ladies and we were talking about, you know, naming body parts and naming the vulva and the vagina and the penis. And after all of the conversations we had, one woman said her her grandchild named the vulva something else and she said she's not she refuses to tell the child that the correct word is vulva, you know, or vagina or penis. And and so it's going to take a long time to undo and for them to unlearn all of those messages. And a lot of the messages are shame, you know, and they stem from shame and from sex being so-called dirty. It used to be a taboo topic. It's not a taboo topic anymore. We've taken the taboo out of it. You know, we discuss it openly and, and we do so from a good place because it's a big part of our lives. Mm. So I think that it really depends on your family. And also to understand that you probably need to advise your child to maintain certain kind of discretion discussing family business outside of the family. Because then you might have problems with your, with your kids actually being able to have friends if other kids take stories to their parents and 
those parents don't have the same values that you do. So it's important to, like you said, maintain boundaries and teach your children how to maintain some kind of privacy if you are the parent that's going to have those open discussions. Mm, but then uh, on the other hand, uh, if you and your partner kiss in the house and it's in front of your children, they could take it to a family that's very staunch and very religious or traditional and say, oh, you know, um, a little Naomi's mom and dad kiss because in front of her because she saw it. They did it. And the Absolutely. family won't like, <laughs> different structure, different why. folks. Different structure, different why. folks, yes. yeah. Um, and that is why I said, you know, sometimes we just got to teach our kids also that what happens in the home, depending on what it is, stays in the home. Mm. So my, my, my kid, you know, um, she's 17 Okay, before you, go, before you go to the example, I've got a break that's looming. Let's go to it and then you come back to it. Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. We're still in conversation with Dr. Miriam Khan. We are talking about uh, still staying intimate despite the house being filled with children and family members. Uh, before the break, Dr. Khan wanted to, to share uh, an experience with her daughter. Dr. Khan, go ahead. So we were talking, Patricia, about you know any message that our kid can take to school. And it would be 100% innocent, but it may be taken as inflammatory depending on how it's relayed further. And... We've had this experience at home where my kid came home one day and she said, you know, two of her friends, they say that it's so awkward to be at home during the weekends because the parents are all over each other in front of them. And they have this internal joke and they call their parents porn stars. So one day, what did you repeat? They, they call them porn stars. Oh, my like, goodness. These parents are porn stars, you know. And so I asked, I said to my daughter, ask ask your friend, what do, what do they mean? I mean, it can't be, you know, that their parents are doing this in front of their kids. And so, you know, it literally was the parents hugging and it made the children uncomfortable. And it literally made it made teenage boys uncomfortable to see their parents hugging because now they know what sex is. And in their mind, they think, okay, this hugging is going to lead to sex in the evening, you know, or sex tonight. And so they feel uncomfortable in their own home with their parents hugging. And this is why I say this stuff, this non-sexual stuff, should begin from the time the kids are little. We continue it even after we become parents. Mm. You know, that relationship doesn't end. And there's nothing wrong with showing affection to your spouse or to your partner in front of your kids. They should that you should do that because they get to see, like we said, what a healthy, loving relationship is. So you sitting reclined on your couch and your husband's head on your lap is not inflammatory. You know, that's and that's part of your children seeing what a healthy, loving relationship is. And when they are raised like that, even if that for you in your head, in your mind, even if that is going to lead to intimacy later on, that's not what they see. They see that non-sexual contact. They see that it's okay and that it's important to have that, to have that relationship. They see that. You know, so we continue that even after we become parents. And you would know, Patricia, you know, in those initial weeks after you have a baby, we're so touched out as women because we have the baby and we see to the baby and we're breastfeeding and we see to our body is changing. 
without necessarily without necessarily engaging in in penetrative sex for the first however many weeks, and thereafter, lots of women, you know, a majority of women experience pain right up until some kind of penetrative pain right up until the first year after the child is born, you know. So intimacy changes in terms of the sexual intimacy or penetration. There might not necessarily be frequent penetration, but that doesn't mean that we distance ourselves physically from ourselves. We still maintain the relationship. We still care for them and we care for ourselves too. And we take care of our body's needs as well. And there are so many ways to pleasure ourselves and our partners outside of penetration. You'll mm. hear me talk about non-penetrative pleasure a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's important that we need to start uh, moving away from just sex itself and moving towards intimacy because this is what is important in a relationship because sometimes sex can't happen for whatever reasons you know uh, health reasons uh, you have given birth or you know anything of that nature so i, I agree with you non-penetrative sex should be something we are aiming for dr khan we need to go home now so it's our been lovely is, uh, it's been absolutely lovely but our a-teamers want to know how they keep in touch with you Zero seven nine three eight zero eight four four nine. On social media, it's at Dr. Naomi Khan, and if you on social media, you'll find my physical location as well. Excellent. Thank you so very much, Dr. Khan. Always such a great pleasure. Please take care of yourself and your you lovely family. Take care. Have a lovely evening. Hey, teamers, uh, we're going to go home now. We'll be back for the Thursday edition of the Late Night Conversations tomorrow at 10 p.m. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.